Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I am here today with a very, very good and cherished friend of the podcast, Piper Sample. Welcome back, Piper. Thanks, Jamie. Hey, everyone. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm happy that retrograde has <laughs> passed. I'm feeling myself again. I know. It was very uh, intense. Well, given that the retrograde is often characterized as a time of miscommunication and uh, <laughs> wires getting crossed and oftentimes a lack of clarity... And given that the end of the retrograde signals a, a kind of clearing and hopefully a sense of clarity being restored, it feels like there's no better time or opportunity for us to take a deeper and closer look at what's been going on between Garcelle and Dorit this season on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I know the Erica Jane drama has really taken center stage, rightfully so. But I have to say, I've been very drawn to this storyline. Uh, it feels very charged and heated and loaded for both of them, especially at the reunion. But I think throughout the season, I just I feel all these moments. <laughs> you know, I just keep thinking now of the way that Dorit just interrupted Garcelle at the reunion and was like, let me speak, where I just feel like I'm hearing something that has so little to do with the present moment and has everything to do with history. And it feels, the whole situation feels complex, and it feels like they never really got to the root of whatever was going on in the first place, which is part of why I think it keeps spiraling around and around and around. So um, I've found myself kind of confounded by it, especially Dorit's side of it, and had an impulse for us just to kind of jump in and see if we can get some kind of intuitive clarity on on what is going on here on a deeper level, what's being brought up in both of them, and why there's such a kind of repetitive nature to it. Yeah, and I think what I'm interested in and why it feels so relevant to now is because of the way, like you said, the repetitive nature of the, the interaction continuing to be like a miss. It's like having one person be fighting for something, space, <laughs> being heard, whatever it is, on one level, and then not being heard on a whole nother level. And so when I, when I feel into it, the first thing I want to say is part of why I feel like they miss each other is because they're talking about something that organizes on two different levels. And when they're talking to each other, 
they're coming from different places and they can't see each other is the way it feels to me. And on top of that, I feel like neither one even fully knows the true level that she's coming from. And so it ends up being this conversation around you talk too much or you're passive aggressive. And it's like, no, this, this doesn't feel like what the issue is really about, but they both kind of have a blind spot to their own trigger and what's coming up for them. So they keep trying to find what it is that they're kind of upset or pissed off about, but because they're not aware of it, they never really find it and they never really land anywhere. And so there's just nowhere for the energy to go. Yeah. And one of the things that stands out the most for me that I get really triggered by as a as a listener or an observer in these, if you want to call them conversation arguments, is when somebody clearly says, my experience is this, and then another person says, that's not what's happening. One person is saying, I, Garcelle is saying, I experience feeling left out, not a part of this group. I'm not sure where it's coming from, but that's what's happening for me on my side. And Dory comes in and says, that's not what's happening. Instead of saying, oh, let me sit with you and feel into this place, what informs you? How, how, how is it that you feel left out? Something where there's a more of an invitation to actually instead of defend a position, we include you in everything. We don't, we're not leaving you out. That's not what Garcelle's saying. She's saying, I feel as an outsider. Well, hello, let's take a look at that. And then not only that, not only am I going to invalidate your report of your experience of feeling like an outsider, but then I'm going to get mad at you when you don't validate my experience. Everything that I'm doing to include you going out of my way. And it's almost like for Dorit. And I think at one point Garcelle even said to her, my experience doesn't preclude your experience. But it's almost like as Dorit. And I, I feel like we're actually getting ahead of ourselves. But what, let's just follow it for a second. Yeah. But it's almost like as Dorit. I have this sense or experience of, yeah, if I allow for Garcelle's experience, it comes at the cost of my experience. Like it's one or the other. If I hear her as an outsider, I don't get heard or seen or witnessed in my experience. Because I'm used to being centered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel this contextually, like they're, they're bringing up something about what's happening in, in conversations all over the place, politically, racially, but let's just, you know, call it what it is. There's, there's a racial aspect to this and it's not being named. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because to me, it feels both personal and systemic at the same time. Exactly. And when I talk about two different levels, Dorit is staying in this personal realm and Garcelle in some way is trying to bring in a systemic piece around it, but I don't know how clear she I mean, I think she has clarity on it, but it's not being sort of identified as this is not just personal to you, Dory. You take up a lot of space. <laughs> That's just in this group, you're, the way you fight for things, the way you talk about things, you take up a lot of space. And for me, you know, if I'm Garcelle 
and I'm experiencing the way space gets taken up in a systemic way, and I'm trying to bring my voice in, and it's constantly being pushed back out or made irrelevant, I would imagine it triggers the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's backtrack a little, if that feels okay to you, and kind of get into some of the nitty gritty to see if we can start feeling a little bit of like what's going on with both of them on the personal level. And then we can kind of broaden it out to the systemic. Because again, I've just found myself confused and confounded the whole season because it's it's felt so so here and there and it, it, it like comes through and fits and starts. So I actually just went back before recording this. And watch certain clips of certain episodes just to start getting some clarity about kind of the thread and how it evolved. And so if we start back with like the genesis of this argument, when Dorit goes over to Crystal's house and first mentions, hey, I feel like Garcelle's been taking these little jabs and I'm upset. And the three examples that she has, and these are the three examples she keeps coming back to throughout the season, is one, when Garcelle makes fun of her for talking too much at that kind of early French lunch at uh, Kathy uh, Sutton's house. Um, then two, when they're having dumplings at Crystal's house, and I guess Sutton and Crystal are still hashing out their thing, and Sutton's basically taking a stand and saying, you know, to to say that I violated you is sort of taking it too far. And in that moment, Dorit kind of stepped in and started speaking on Crystal's behalf. And Garcelle then stepped in and that literally says, no, Dorit, like, hold on a minute. So that was another moment that she referenced. And then the third one, of course, is when they're at Kyle's Christmas's dinner and it's the first time they're starting to ask Erica questions. And Dorit kind of pipes in, you know, treating Erica with kid gloves after having had more to say at the previous, you know, all women's meeting where they were kind of decompressing everything. And sort of famously now, Garcelle comes in and says, that's not what you said the other night. That's not what you said the other night. So those are the three examples that she's really hung up on. And I think just what I want to say first and foremost, for me, it's almost like, again, I think in the place where Dorit's not even aware of what she's really mad about, I think there are a couple things being lumped into one kind of piece of behavior. Because I think with Garcelle, so for me, Garcelle kind of taking a little sideswipe about Dorit talking too much. That just feels like one thing. And it is true. If I think back about Garcelle's tenure on the show, she does have a history of taking these little, you know, I just always think about last season when she accepted that award and she talked about her new friends. Some, not so much. You know, she she does. She takes these little digs that are fun as a viewer. I can also imagine if you're actually in a relationship with her, it might land kind of fun. You know, she takes these little swipes, you know? So there's that, right? But to me, that is different than the other two things. And the other two things, yeah, they feel like they have a different flavor of it where Garcelle is sort of seeing Dorit do something. It seems like Dorit's kind of stepping in, as you said, taking up space. She's sort of offering her take or her opinion in a certain way. And it feels like that does trigger something in Garcelle and Garcelle something snaps in her where she says no (laughs) no Dorit like you're not doing that and for Dorit it then feels like Garcelle coming in in that way I keep hearing the words like pattern interrupt it's like Garcelle kind of comes in and stomps something out that Dorit is doing and then that obviously really triggers Dorit in some type of way 
And that's kind of when they start. And so then kind of Dorit comes back with, uh-uh, like you don't interrupt me like that. So I think what happens is then Dorit, I think is so upset about the pattern interrupt. And it feels like that pattern interrupt takes her somewhere really deep inside of her. Again, I don't think she even really knows where it's taking her. So suddenly it just, all Dorit knows is she's outraged. And she feels silenced in some way. And so then suddenly it becomes this kind of catch all, you take these jabs. And her little side swipes are being lumped in with these with this other pattern of behavior, which to me feels very different. And then, I mean, we don't even have to bring Lisa Rinna into it, but it feels like Lisa Rinna sort of takes that as an opportunity just to like basically fuck with uh, Garcelle. But if we just keep this to, for now to, to Garcelle and Dorit, um, if it feels like that's even where like a lot of the confusion starts is that two things are being lumped together that are actually very separate. And then that kind of, I, I feel like neither one really knows fully what's being triggered by these situations where they are it's interesting to me they're both interrupting like Dorit will interrupt the situation to have her say and then Garcelle does interrupt her and then for Dorit it's like don't interrupt me which becomes its own interruption of Garcelle and so this is where they get on the carousel ride I know I'm keeping it general for now I'm taking this step by step slowly let me just sort of stop right there and just see is anything happening for you well yeah like I would love to know more about Dorit's history, you know, like, of course, you know, as somebody that works with these type of conflicts, it's, it's always interesting to me, like, what is Dorit's reason for interjecting when people are having a conflict? You know, two other people are having a conflict, and then she has to put her two cents in there. What What's driving that? What is her need to fix the situation, to make sure that the other two know what the other is saying? When she's not, this is where I think she makes her first sort of bid for <laughs> shut me down. What's driving that? What, what, if you drop into Dorit, when people are having a conflict, how come she can't just sit back and let it work itself out? That is an interesting question. So I want to drop into that specifically. I will say, because I, yeah, I started to feel into this before we got on. And one thing that I thought was interesting that I'll just say up top before I drop in is I do think it's very interesting that Garce, I'm sorry, Dorit at the reunion said to Garcelle, she was like, it's like you take these little jabs to be relevant. And that stood out to me. It's like, because it's like, you know, we're talking about Dorit inserts herself into these situations that have nothing to do with her. And yeah, like I said, as I was sort of feeling in this, I was like, oh, is there something about like not being in the mix? And it's like, it's my turn. I get to have my say. I get to be relevant. So I just kind of want to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was, you know, touched on earlier in terms of being centered. There's a real activation for Dorit if she's not being centered. Her her attention to detail with dress and glamour. If yeah, there's some some competitive nature that she has to to be seen, to be to be the one. Yeah, there's a, a very deep need to be seen and heard. Yes. You just you said something that did start coming to me when you were asking before, like if you drop in, what do you sense? But before I go more fully into that. 
what I also want to say, what I think is so interesting about what you're saying is I also started thinking about just Dorit's history on the show. Because this is a situation where I think a lot of what Dorit's saying about Garcelle is actually true of her. Because I'm just so aware she keeps talking about, like, be direct, don't be passive aggressive. And yet I'm just like, if we think about Dorit's time on the show, this is the woman who came in giving Erica a pair of panties to, like, humiliate her. Right. She's the woman who I mean, last season, I don't even remember what. Well, first of all, she's the woman who will always run late, which is a form of passive aggression. Right. She's the woman who there was some sort of dinner last year where Sutton was clearly upset about something. And Dorit, remember, Dorit kept kind of poking it and poking it. And it was that Sutton had that famous line about the mouse, like you've had your fun, let the mouse go or something. So I just want to say it's like Dorit has an established pattern of being passive aggressive, being underground shitty. Oh, and so the reason why I'm saying, so I think it's interesting that she keeps accusing Garcelle of doing that, but also when I was thinking about all this, I was like, well, let me just quickly drop in to Eric. I'm sorry, Dorit towards Erica, that first season that Erica came and she pulled that little number with the panties. Cause I always think back to that because she's never been quite that. I want to say obvious or flagrant with her shittiness ever since that. I feel like she kind of learned her lesson, you know, and she sort of reined it in, but it was so jarring at the time. And it's like when I kind of felt into her towards Erica, at the top of that season, it was kind of this feeling of like, yeah, here's another glamorous blonde who's married, even though they're, I mean, I don't know how much older PK is, but the dynamic feels similar of an older established man with money, you know, and Erica's got Tom. And it was this feeling for me as Dorit of, um, I'm going to like, I, I'm, I'm going to show you who's in charge. I'm the one kind of what you're saying. And it was this feeling of competition. Like, I'm going to let you know, like, I'm the one, I'm in charge, I'm the boss here, I win. So I just kind of want to say that to sort of, um, yeah, reflect what you're saying. What I was picking up, I mean, it's clear, I think you're already saying it, that she's projecting onto Garcelle, you know, this this passive-aggressive behavior when Garcelle is clearly, clearly saying... <laughs> You talk too much. That's why I'm jabbing. I'm, I'm, I'm admit. Yes, I've been jabbing you. Yes, and it's because you take too much space. You talk too much. How much more clear can I actually be than that? And Dory's like, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. There's something else. Even when Garcelle's inter- you know interrupting at the at the Christmas dinner and saying that's not what you said last night, that is a very direct statement. She's saying that is not what you said last night. There's no that is not an indirect no, comment. I, yeah, it's not even silent like the the like you know like I, I can imagine gestures that might be passive aggressive in that moment, but she's saying something direct and clear. And Dory keeps saying, "Be direct, be clear." It's like. I want to ask her, what does direct and clear sound like to you, Dorit? What, what's not being named? Well, I will say in Dorit's quote-unquote defense, what I will yeah. grant her is I do think Garcelle is charged in those moments. And I yeah. think there's yeah. something, in that sense, there's something she's not saying. I mean, in the sense of where it's taking Garcelle. And that's what I'm saying, another level, mm. right? Like... This is the it's not personal to Dorit. There's probably a rage. There's probably an injustice. There's probably, uh, I would imagine, the systemic piece around this 
is what's not getting dropped in. And Dorit feels that on some level and doesn't know what it's a she does she can't she's like blind in some way and taking it personal because there's a personal way that she's perpetuating something mm-hmm. for a whole mass group of people and kind of maybe feeling the charge that doesn't feel as um warranted for her taking up too much space at a dinner party instead of inhabiting a white body that just takes up too much space period and demands to be centered in a in a conversation that has nothing to do with her and she's representing something she doesn't know what she's representing in this context i don't think yeah exactly okay so let's yeah let's stay with Dorit. i have more to say about what you said about garcelle because i did feel into like what's coming up for garcelle in these moments and yeah, but let's stay with Dory because I do have, first of all, I want to say, I actually think there's a major point of intersection between them. And I think for both of them, there's something about the relationship to being an outsider um, and what it's bringing up for both of them. But I think for, yeah, to your point with Dorit, I think for her, obviously, this is personal, right? And I think it's taking her to a personal place. Like, I just get the sense, this notion of pattern interrupt Okay, let me, because I'm feeling something. And again, I'm aware I still haven't dropped into your question, which I want to. But it's almost like there's something, the pattern interrupt, this experience of someone coming in and shutting Dorit down. That to me feels like history for her. It feels like there's history around there not being space for Dorit. And it's almost like when she interjects, And the way that she goes on and on and kind of unconsciously holds the room hostage, it's kind of like the the way it always lands with me is that moment where she loses it on Dorit and said, I'm sorry, on Garcelle and the reunion and says, let me finish. It's almost like that's the subtext underneath her rambling. It's like, (laughs) I'm laughing because I suddenly, there are people we both know (laughs) who, who could do this where it's like, you know, certain people where it's like, it's almost like their passive aggressive way, yeah, taking up space. It's like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to dominate a conversation. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to keep talking. I'm not going to let it go. Like it becomes a passive aggressive way of like it's my turn. I get to have my say. Because when she gets interrupted and shut down, it does feel connected to something really vulnerable to me for her. And so it's like if she's has a history in a relationship to being shut down. And so then her way of compensating is let me insert myself in this really passive aggressive way and hold everyone hostage. But then someone kind of comes into that and shuts that down. It like brings her right back to that original experience. I mean, like you said, she kind of invites it, right? This is how she unconsciously sets it up. It's like she's sort of setting herself up to recreate that experience of being shut down because her way of taking up space is so passive aggressive and kind of obtuse. Uh, But nevertheless, she invites it, right? And then it's like it triggers an old rage that it feels like she never had a chance to fully speak or express or embody. I feel like there's probably a more specific flavor of it to get at in terms, and that's why I still want to drop into your question that you posed earlier. Uh, But is all this making sense so far? To me, it does. Look, she speaks all kinds of languages. It sounds like she's moved a lot. 
Do you know anything about her history? I just know. I mean, I know she was, I think she was born and raised in Connecticut. She had like an Israeli father, I want to say. I think her moving was later in life. I think she lived in Italy okay. and then she went to London and da, 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 da. But clearly open to adopting different identities <laughs> if her accents are to be, uh, you know, any indication. But what were you going to say? Well, you know, you touched on a place where maybe some of their wounding intersects around feeling an outsider. So I just, I was wondering about, I didn't know the nature of why she had to learn different languages if, if, if it because she, you know, got moved around a lot. Say, for instance, when she was younger, then it would make sense to me that she always felt on the outside and was trying to work her way into something, you know, trying to become relevant in some way for connection. I was just kind of noodling that that thought or that idea. But do you know anything about like like does she have siblings or her parents married? There's at least a sibling. I believe they were married. But let me yeah, let me drop in now because like I said, I keep feeling yeah. these flakes. So like there's just something for me around this idea. I'm trying to remember how you phrased it, but it's it's something like, you know, what is it what does it bring up in Dorit? There's a conflict or something happening that has nothing to do with her. What would it bring up in her? Like, why is it difficult for her to tolerate just sort of letting it kind of play? So I want to say it feels very young. Like, she feels like this young, wide-eyed kid to me. Which, by the way, again, that's sort of how she feels to me when she starts rambling on and on like like a kid. And it feels, it, like I said, it feels connected to something very vulnerable. And it, it does. It feels like, to the kid, it feels like, yeah, there's something chaotic happening that definitely I'm not in control of. And it's somehow like, if I don't insert myself, I, I'm going to get forgotten. I'm going to be left behind. It's almost like, the the flavor of it to me is almost like I'm a young kid and there's like older people and I don't necessarily understand the chaos that's happening. And yeah, no one's really kind of tending to me and where I am in relationship to the chaos. So it's almost like that's part of the flavor of I'm going to get left behind here. And it feels kind of scary to me. Like I really could get left behind in a certain way. So let me like get my hooks in there while I can, you know, so I'm not left behind. So I stay in relationship to what's happening around me. Do you feel desperate? I just feel really lost and left behind and forgotten about. That's, I mean, that's really what it, it's like that I'm forgotten about here. Like there's a chaos that's brewing It's not taking me into account. That's why I'm saying it's like I feel young and it feels older. Like I'm not in relationship to it on the same level of maturity or understanding. And it's like I could get lost or forgotten about or left behind here. Mm. Like what what about me? Like no one's seeing me. And then like when I say those words, what's interesting is I notice like a smile kind of wants to come to my face. Like almost like I'm pretending I'm okay. Like, I'm okay, guys. Like, I I don't know. Like, I can't even let people know that I have needs here because the needs, I don't think they're going to get met. Or I have some idea that it's going to, like, I don't know, be a nuisance in some way. 
I'm just not allowed. Like, I just have to like act like this is all, all okay. I'm okay. I'm self-sufficient. I understand. Like, I understand what's going on. Oh, that fe- like, I understand what's going on guys. I understand what's going on. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that you guys get it worked out. So it comes back here. And I, that's what I would say. I think, when I asked, does it feel desperate, the sense is that she interjects before she fully understands and doesn't know that. From that younger mind, you know, is somehow she's missing a larger context of what's actually happening and trying to simplify something that's really complex. And in that is interrupting what's trying to work itself out. It's funny you say that because that's literally what she does at Dumpling Night. When I was rewatching it, part of what Garcelle said, Garcelle literally says, oh, no, you don't, Dorit. And she says, like, you're never going to take Sutton's side. And at that point, Dorit admits, she says, oh, I haven't spoken to Sutton about it. I don't know her side. I've only heard Crystal's side, which means, I mean, to your point, she literally was interrupting to advocate on behalf of Crystal not having all the information. So she's literally interjecting and kind of like that voice that I just said of, wait, what was it I just said? Something like, I know what's going on. Like, I understand what's happening. It's like she wants to come in acting like, yeah, she knows what's going on. She's a participant. She has some insight. And yet she literally doesn't have all the information. Yeah. And I want to tell her, just say this is hard for me. <laughs> it's hard for me to listen to you guys argue like this. Mm-hmm. You know, like instead of let me be responsible for making sure you understand what I don't understand that I think I understand what's going on, you know, like, and then she ends up inviting in, like you said, all this other way of shutting something down because there's no space for anything to emerge. Yeah. So it's two things. Yeah. It feels like she speaks up because like I was saying earlier, there's this sense of if this sort of, keeps unfolding and resolves itself like I get left behind so this is my bid so there's something in me that's very anxious and uncertain here this is where I could get left behind let me insert myself for inclusion so I'm not the outsider exactly like I'm here I'm here but what's so interesting what just came to me in what you were just saying so Dorit kind of comes in with her own stopping energy where she's shutting something down. And so again, it reminds me of like, let me finish. It's like, I'm shutting something down. So I, like I'm here <laughs> basically. I, I can feel safe now. And so it's interesting to me that it then provokes an energy in this case in Garcelle, but we've seen it come through other people. We've seen it come through Kyle, you know, it provokes an energy from the outside that then wants to, shut her down. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Like she doesn't allow energy to fully flow. So then like the world around her doesn't want to let her energy fully flow. She stops something. So then the world wants to stop something in her. And so she's got to have her faucet running all the time to make sure that it's still moving <laughs> instead of, is there something, is this needed? Is what I have to offer supportive for what's happening. It's like there's no pause to listen, to trust. I mean, Crystal, I think it's, you know, she's astute. She, she figures things out. She, she gets to it. But it's like this need 
to interject protection or, you know, siding or whatever it is, as if Crystal can't speak for herself. Why why can't she say if she's going to interject something like, hey, can we just slow this down for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're asking for a level of awareness that I don't... <laughs> <laughs> might be unrealistic from from this crew but i think what's so interesting but the thing is it's like but she's not i understand outwardly she's sort of positioning this as like having crystal's back or helping crystal but the subtext of this really is like this is a let me make this about me which again trying to be relevant you know yeah and even with that like there is that but there's also this like crystal can't do this without me and that's why I was, I, I, I don't know, again, if it's just about her relevance or her, that, that feeling of being left behind, but there's also sort of a protective quality to it, you know, like usually what she's, she's usually trying to solve something Yeah. as if they can't solve it themselves. Like I, there's a way, I think, again, in this younger version, I can't trust that whatever's trying to organize itself or work itself out over here, it's going to happen. So I better do something about it. There's like a kind of an overcompensation in a way also, like mm-hmm. a responsibility factor. And I think what you named earlier about like, I'm going to act like this isn't bothering me. You know, I'm going to compensate. And in that compensation, I see what's going on and I'm going to solve it. And then I get shut down. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because Dorit, you know, sometimes people ask me, you know, are some people hard to read because they're so disconnected from themselves? And generally my experience is no, like I can sort of go there with anyone. But Dorit actually is an example where she, she's hard for me. It's hard for me to feel her. I mean, this conversation is the most (laughs) I've felt her so far. Like she, but I guess I'm just saying this because you know, the voice I hear and the quality of it, it's like, again, it feels like a kid. It's like, I've got something to say. I've got something to point out. It's my turn. But what I have to point out isn't actually an astute point. Like she feels to me like a little girl, like putting on, you know, uh, like a fake adult businesswoman's outfit and like a little girl with her play briefcase. I'm a lawyer, like just like playing adult, (laughs) you know, and there's this quality to it that's just like, again, it just feels so lost. I mean, I guess it speaks to what I was saying before. It's like a little girl lost in a world of adults. And kind of like, this is how I make my bid for a place here. And, and this kind of infuri- like infuriating in terms of like, if I'm in relationship to it or I'm on the sidelines, like kind of like this infuriating, um, I've got something to say and I'm going to make you all listen to me as if my point's important, but actually my point isn't important at all. Like she really comes in with something that's just not of like it's not of relevance like it's not yeah it's not it, it's not a point that needs to be made but yet she takes up the space as, as if it's this hugely important piece and then everyone has to kind of stop in their tracks and like give her this time and attention really and it usually yeah. is ain't like it's usually with shut up stop we don't want you in here mm-hmm. you know it's almost like a Get out. 
And so then if I'm Dorit, right, and I'm like, I've got my pretend briefcase and my, I'm like, like kid dressing up in adults clothes. And so then someone like Garcelle kind of comes in and shuts me down. It's like, oh, no, Dorit. <laughs> I'm just trying to feel like what happens there. I mean, as we've seen, the anger comes up really. I mean, the anger comes up really sharply. And so it's interesting to me is just the contrast and the energy. It's like right before that moment where Garcelle comes in, it's like I said, it's like someone comes in and then it's like, don't fucking do that. It's interesting. It like snaps her into kind of a more adult place. Like you don't do that to me. Don't. Yeah. Don't fucking interrupt me. Like I get to have my place. I just imagined for some reason, like I loved your, uh, (laughs) the voice and the, I wish the viewer or the listeners could see your, like, it was so right on, you know, just this, the feel, you captured the feel of her when she's, when she's talking, I energetically, I could feel it. And what it reminded me of, like, I had this little visual of kids playing in a room next door and her opening up the door and trying to get in and like literally having the like get out shut the door you're not you you don't get to come in here and play but like having something to bring to the table you know or or to the play and so yeah I just was again I'm always interested in like is she an older sister a younger sister is she I believe she's younger Uh uh-huh she has a feel of being for some reason younger and and pushed out yeah well yeah that's what i was saying too and it what's i think part of the reason why i was bringing up that voice is it's also like and why i mentioned it's hard to feel her like that's also just kind of her vibe in general like even if you think about her kind of role on the show it's like she kind of like she dresses herself up she's always in an outfit she kind of arrives on the scene she looks good she totters around she doesn't really add much like there's a way that she actually feels i mean there is that sort of business side to her and that to me is kind of when she's the most likable when you know we kind of see her in her element and she's actually doing something but even with that the kind of the way that she like the the the, sort of the role play with pk you know like oh pk this is the thing that i do and i'm very good at it i don't know there's a way in which she just generally feels yeah like a little bit ridiculous like a kid playing dress up. Like she's sort of just lost in her own world. Like the rest of the world's happening around her. <laughs> and she's just in her own little glam bubble. Her own little like high-end designer label bubble. Just kind of disconnected from herself and what's going on. It feels like this 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 sort of energetic impression of the way she kind of inserts herself in these conversations. It's kind of how she embodies her life in a way. Well, and, you know, I don't want to take this too far out, but I cannot help but not mention, like, what the footage that they do show around her interactions with her children. Please say more. <laughs> Sorry, I took, <laughs> I took a bite of an omelet. I thought I was, I thought I was doing this stealthily. <laughs> um, I just, it's like, it's like there are these accessories. <laughs> like, the way that she talks to them. Like the voice that you're using, there's, there's this, I just, every time I'm like, what is it like to be her child? 
is this the way she talks to them all the time, or is this for the cameras? You know, like there's, I, I, I'm, I'm like praying to myself, <laughs> please don't let this interaction that's being shown be a, on the daily with her children because they are put in a position to be giving her advice on her outfits and her, <laughs> her like, mummy is doing this. I don't know. There's just something that's, again, it's like she is being centered and not her children. Mm. And if her children are being centered, it's because they're an extension of her right. or a, an accessory to her. And it, ugh, like, I can't tell you what it does to me <laughs> when I yeah, it's like her, her life kind of feels like like she's often passive aggressively centering herself. It's sort of filtered through a, a persona. Oh, mommy, you know, mommy loves her clothes. And, you know, yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's like when people talk about themselves in the second person. Mm-hmm. Like that's the way it feels. She's addressing herself with her children in like as a I, I'm not talking to you as your mother. But mummy here is having this experience with you. And what about me? How does mummy look? Oh, you don't like this? It feels like a huge weight that she places on the household. And the way that she talks to people, I mean, clearly she's not like a Ramona. But in, in business, it's like I'm in charge here. I want everybody to know that I'm in charge here. Even if you already know that, I'm, I'm asserting myself again that I'm the one who's doing this. You know this, right? It's like she was planning a party or something. I don't even remember what happened. But I remember thinking if I was, you know, I've worked at plenty of parties where people are telling you, you know, like where to put things and how to do it. And the way that she does it, I could just feel who she, who she needs herself to be, the importance that she needs. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I do want to get more into Garcelle. I guess the last thing I'll say mm. about Dorit, though, is just that uh, it, it, I am so struck, though, by the contrast of as we're speaking, you know, we're speaking to a way where she feel, you know, you could call it split or like disconnected from herself, like that passive aggression. But I am still so struck by how quickly the anger comes in, you know, when someone interrupts her and how available it is to her. I don't know what I want to say about that. It just interests me that for someone who is often so, again, split from herself, so kind of lost in an airy-fairy world, how quick she is to drop into that and how different the energy feels. Although, I guess having said that, actually, I mean, the reunion is kind of one of the only places where she really does drop in. I feel like a lot of the other times, for example, when she brings up her issues with uh, Garcelle at Lena's lip launch... It is just kind of this needling. It's like she won't let it go. She won't let it go. I keep coming back to it. I keep coming back to it. Like it, it is a more passive aggressive. We're just going to go around and round and round. But there are those few moments where something snaps. I guess they are. I guess they're few and far between. For some reason in my mind, it felt uh, maybe it's because the reunion's fresh in my mind. I was just like, oh, she really dropped into something there. Well, I think you kind of covered it a little bit like over time it's almost like she saw herself through you know through this experience of being on the show of oh I need more of a voice here I'm not going to sit back anymore and so maybe all the places where she was more 
stunned or pushed out or pulled back or, you know, whatever she used to do now that she's coming in, it's coming in with that all that history of being shut down, all the rage that maybe wasn't available in a different defense. Maybe it's accessible now and it's coming in, yeah, in a, again, like necessarily warranted or relevant for the actual situation that's happening, but because it's mimicking all these other places from her history, the wave of anger is right there and it's big. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of like the last thing I'll say about her is just that um, it's almost like I hear this voice from the past, like, oh, there, there, Dorit. Like, just this voice that didn't, like, kind of like you said, the kids pushing her out, like, oh, silly Dorit, kind of not taking her seriously and kind of, yeah, casting her in kind of this role of like, oh, Dorit, we don't really, yeah, we don't really take you seriously. And then kind of Dorit operating from this place, you know, of I'm the, yeah, I'm kind of the lost, the lost one. I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying in this moment. Well, I think this is her split. Yeah, I think this is a part of where I can feel the, the sort of energetic split. There's a real deep desire to be taken seriously. Well, that's the other thing I was going to say is that, and then I think about the, like when I think about what she did to Erica Jane that first season and just the flavor of that, of just the cruelty and then like, yeah, I'm going to put you in your place and I'm going to show you. It's so interesting, right? Like that split on the one hand, yeah, the kind of disembodied, out there, childlike sort of rambling. <laughs> and then this other energy of just covert rage, competition, like it, it, like vicious. So these are two kind of strong energies in her. Like if, if I sort of suddenly conceptualize Dorit as perhaps maybe a bit of an oddball, you know, maybe there's something a little bit kind of eccentric or weird about her. Or, you know, something about her that's different or offbeat or that doesn't fit into, like, you know, the norm. And then I kind of blend that with a real kind of force of will. You know, that's kind of what I'm interpreting in her desire to come out on top. Like a force of will, a drive to be seen, like a real sort of fire in her. I don't know. It just makes me wonder, like, who would that woman be? Um, but it feels like, and it feels to me like that's kind of the flavor of, of, you know, who she might be kind of in a more integrated way. So it's almost like, yeah, we don't, you don't fit into kind of our, whatever it was, our mainstream context. We're not going to take you serious. Like pipe down, Dorit, this is adult business. You don't get it. You're a little weird. And then it's like, okay, so this part of me that would want to sort of speak up and say, let me finish. Let me have my say. I have something that wants to be seen and heard that just sort of gets pushed underground. And then it kind of festers and it gets angry <laughs> and it kind of gets vicious and cruel. And then I imagine there's some sort of stock she has and like sort of the part she plays, you know, in the family unit of just, Oh, I'm little Doreen. And yeah, there's a split there. Right. Yeah. And in that oddballish sort of scenario, I would really want her to embrace that. You know, embrace it in a way that isn't needing to knock people over with it or become special, you know, around it. But to to connect, to be more of a, a connector, you know, I think there's an intention for to be connecting in some way and to find the the sort of uniqueness or the off-ball-ish in, in everybody, you know, and, and to actually celebrate that, you know, as opposed to try to organize it and in some way that is shutting it down and making it normative, trying to make something that it's not. 
Well, it's interesting you say that too, because I, one of the threads I have picked up in her before is kind of feeling like this mischievous kind of troublemaker, almost like a puck archetype in her that kind of can stir shit up, you know? And yeah, yeah. So that, that's kind of kind of what comes up when you say that of like, you know, like the fun, the oddball, the mischief maker, the one who kind of brings out other flavors and people mixes things up. I mean, in a way, actually, even when I say that, that does feel like it could be kind of the higher self version of the woman who keeps inserting herself. It's like, let me kind of come in with something that totally like rearranges the matrix. I'm going to kind of meddle, you know, shake things up like Puck does, but in this way that kind of, yeah, like has meaning and like is of service, you know, like gets people out of, it sort of knocks them out of like their myopic view. And it feels like though in the place where these aspects of her are disowned, and instead, like you're saying, she's sort of instead vying for control. Instead, she inserts herself with something that's just like rather than inserting herself with something that's kind of mischievously powerful, which actually I mean, this is a whole other can of worms that we don't have to get into. I kind of feel like Kathy Hilton does that a little bit. You know what I mean? Like that's kind I'm of in love with her. Yes. <laughs> Well, I would love to talk to you about her, but, um, you know, that kind of flavor, I'm going to come in and kind of mix things up. Instead, she kind of comes in with something that's just, yeah, it's totally obtuse. It's joyless. It doesn't have certainly no heart <laughs> and it just, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it kills the energy rather than enlivens it. Yeah. All right. Well, should we shift to Garcelle? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you kind of want to say about her up top, just based on what we've already said, or should I? Man, she's been hurt. Mm. I don't know. I, I like her. She's hardworking. You know, there's something, like I really, there's something that resonates with me around her. And there's a there's a pain there mm-hmm. that I think is hard. Yeah, it's hard to come out with, lead with. What's interesting to me about her, so kind of when I felt into the um, the, like the crystal dumpling night and Dorit sticking up for like inserting herself to stick up for crystal, it was kind of this feeling. Well, this is what's so interesting, too, in terms of reflection, right? Because you were talking about how sort of Dorit kind of inserts herself ostensibly to like protect people who don't even need protecting. But it's interesting to me that with Garcelle, these moments are really about, I think in some way protecting Sutton, which I think in some ways also kind of an identification of like what it means to be an outsider. And I feel like as Garcelle watching Dorit kind of insert herself into this, like I I do even talking about, I can feel it. It's kind of like, this sense of defensiveness that comes up around like, I see what's going on here. Like you guys are going to organize around this in order to make Sutton the outsider and to like take something out on Sutton. And I can feel that for Garcelle. Yeah. It's like, it's not fair and I'm not letting this happen. Um, And so that's why I kind of feel like it, you know, it speaks to her experience and obviously she got into it by the end of the season of herself feeling like an outsider and just even taking in what you just said about she got so hurt and kind of bringing that in and just suddenly what comes to me is like yeah the pain of being on the outside being left on the outside and I just I it's funny because she literally said oh no you don't Dory and that's literally kind of the voice I hear oh no this isn't happening like not on my watch we're not doing this and when I also think about 
the dinner at Kyle's house, you know, where Dorit was kind of soft peddling Erica and Garcelle kind of came in and said, that's not what you said last night. Because again, I got to point out, I mean, she really, I mean, she really got in there. I mean, Dorit tried to keep talking and Garcelle was like, repeated it. That's not what you said last night. And for me, again, it was, I, I mean, I think there's probably a lot there. It was such a complicated situation just to begin with with Erica and all that. But um, it was this feeling of like, oh, I saw you say one thing the other night. Now I see you kind of like soft pedaling with Erica. I feel how this is also kind of like at Sutton's expense. But for me as Garcelle, it's almost like I'm perceiving the way there's a group that's organizing around a certain kind of collude. Like there's a way they're going to collude together. And that for Garcelle, it perhaps has that sort of group think mentality energy right and then i start thinking about you know what she witnessed happen last year with denise like that is characteristic of this group the fox force five is what they call themselves there is a kind of like us against the outsider mentality with them i mean kyle certainly has embodied that over the years i think she learned that in her family system it's like the collusion that happened in that household um and the meanness so i think i guess i'm just saying all this because my sort of initial hits with Garcelle is like part of what she was responding to is this sense of like the foreboding group energy that like shuts certain people out. And again, even as I say that, I can feel the voice in Garcelle. It's like, uh, uh, no, the last thing I'll say, I know I've said a lot. The last thing I'll say is, and I do think it's really interesting that in both these cases, it feels like she's coming in on behalf of Sutton and like where it takes me it's like on Salt Lake City when Meredith was getting so upset about what Jen was doing to her son. And like for the first time, like this woman who tends to have like no emotion, she's like affectless. Like for the first time, I felt like I heard anger in her voice. Like I saw feelings come to her face. And for me, I was like, oh, it's easier for you to feel these feelings of rage on behalf of someone else than it is for you to feel them for yourself. And I kind of wonder if there's a flavor of that too here for Garcelle. It's like, I can step in in a really bold way for Sutton because somehow it's almost, I don't know if I want to say it's easier, but it's like that energy is more accessible than sort of doing it fully for myself. Yeah. I I feel something related to that and I might say it a little bit, differently so yeah let me feel into that because there's something about like the group that you were talking about like the collective right and this this way that they're ostracizing or pushing someone out and Garcelle's sort of uh uh-uh like no we're all we're all here we're all we're all doing this thing you don't you don't get to do that like it's for it's kind of for the whole right? It's for Sutton. And she wouldn't do that for herself, but would expect somebody to do that for her in the group, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There's a way that other people haven't had her back. You know, I think she said something around that, like, why didn't you have my back or something? And so it's like part of this is maybe related to, again, I always look at socialization and, you know, interested in how how we learned how to be in a system and you know there's something very different about being individuals that come together versus collectively being a group and how we treat each other there how we 
include each other, what what that looks like. And I don't think other people in that maybe maybe Sutton sees something. I, I don't I don't know if they've I don't know who's connected with Garcelle in that way, like actually sees her. Well, because also what I'm aware of is that I, there's a very real cultural piece here, too, that's like above and beyond just being a woman of color. It's like she's from Haiti. You know, I mean, Haiti, she's Haitian. Exactly. So and I don't know much about Haitian culture, but just hearing you speak about collectivist culture versus individualist culture, I imagine there are differences just in, you know, Haitian culture and the way that that's set up and American culture and the way that that's set up. Because the other thing that comes through as you were talking, I think this is connected. When I think about like the Erica Jane situation, for example, and how in one moment the women were saying one thing and yeah, we're, we're united and we're committed to sort of truth and we're not basically kind of saying we're not going to just let our friendship with Erica come before doing the right thing. You know what I mean? Like we're really going to, you know, we need to make sure we're sort of walking with this with integrity essentially. And then getting to that Christmas dinner and then kind of sensing and seeing, Oh wait, maybe they are going to like toe the line. You know, they're going to feed into her bullshit. They're going to get scared of her. And to me, there was something, I felt this whisper or this echo for Garcelle about the importance of truth things really being named that we don't just cover things up for the sake of like, yeah, people being comfortable. I almost, when I say that, what comes to me is it actually, oh, this is so interesting. I don't know what this is, but it feels so true for me in this moment. It makes Garcelle feel unsafe. That like for her, there's safety in in you know what feels true in clarity and saying what you mean and meaning what you say and if it's like that there's something like if i feel into her there's something in the hazy murky energy of collusion and half truths where it's like the voice i hear i don't feel safe in this like i don't know what's well, coming from where yeah what happened in our marriage mm-hmm. she was betrayed mm-hmm. i i mean i don't know if people knew about it i don't know you know, all I can imagine is you're naming this need for truth and being able to see and and see things clearly and, and name what is being said and check things out and, you know, like not to just turn a blind eye to things that are happening that are untrue. One person is saying something that wasn't said, you know, that was said differently somewhere else. I'm going to bring that in here. I'm not standing for that anymore. You know, that's the way it feels to me. It's like if I have learned anything from being betrayed, it's I will not betray people and I won't stand for it. And then when you say that, I do hear this question coming in, which she spoke to, but I'm hearing it now so clearly, which is uh, this question of where do I fit in here? And then I feel that struggle. Do I? Yeah. And I think, you know, this... I mean, I think everything we're speaking to kind of brings in more systemic stuff, but this really starts to bring it in even more. I think it's just like this sense of, you know, here, <laughs> here I am on the show, here I am with these women, here I am in Beverly Hills. And it's like, I want to find a way to make this work. There's a part of me that wants to belong and wants to have, you know, literal and figurative success in this universe, right? Because yeah, it's about success in the personal relationships, but it's also, this is a job, right? It's a job. It's a very visible job and kind of like 
can I fit in here? Do I fit in here? Does this work? Is this possible? How does this work? Do they care enough about me to make it work? I don't know. I just hear these questions. Well, even, yeah, and I want to say even more so without betraying myself. Can I do this without blending in? I don't need to blend in. I'm my own person. I think she she knows who she is. That's, this is what I kind of like about her. You know, but I, yeah, there's, I noticed something just came in right behind that. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think she wants to fit in at a, at the cost that she's already had to pay around finding her way or fitting in, you know, and I'm, I'm all for that. Be, be yourself. And there is something that I see she does, you know, like you were saying, the, the places where she does kind of get these little jabs in there almost to stir the shit you know she'll she'll put something in somehow and then kind of sit back (laughs) you know like she doesn't need to be centered at all like she there's something very self-realized about her in in a in a big way but it's almost she gets a little glee and pleasure (laughs) you know out of watching these crazy (laughs) people go at it like uh, there's something about that that I think it, I don't know if it yeah like I'm trying to feel it right now like I've I've felt this way in my life before where you know like <laughs> that's not me <laughs> like that's whatever's going on over there you know and it's almost like a sense of I'm I'm more self-possessed than that or something um, I would I wouldn't go there and yet in some way she's the one that sort of instigated the stir. But do you think she's conscious of that? No, I don't in the moment. But what I do appreciate about Garcelle is the ability to pause and Mm self-reflect. Anytime I have seen her being asked questions, she'll, not anytime, most times I will say, because she has been very defensive in some places. But I I watch her kind of sit back and go, oh, no, that's not true for me, or yeah, yeah, I meant it. I am stirring the pot or, you know, like she'll, she'll own what she's doing when she is called out, asked a question. She, she genuinely reflects where I don't see Dorit, for instance, pausing long enough. It's like, I'm going to be right. I'm not letting go of this bone and I'm going to, you know, hold on to this to the end. Garcelle actually has in some places I've seen, I'm trying to, I don't even know what instances I've seen it, but it was where somebody has asked her something and she'll go, yeah, yeah, no, I was, that's what I was doing. But it was like in hindsight, I know that. I didn't, I might not have really consciously known I was doing that at the time. Well, yeah, that happened. It was interesting to watch the lip launch event because Dorit sort of brought those examples to Garcelle and as she did Garcelle was like oh yeah you are right I remember that now yes I did do that and Garcelle actually was starting to own it and then what happened was so Garcelle literally says to her if I said those things and then Dorit cuts her off and says not if you said those things when I said those things and that's the moment where Garcelle sort of you could just tell like that's where Dorit lost her and that's where it kind of became irreconcilable. You know, and I understand because obviously Dorit was, again, being very sort of passive aggressive. I mean, again, I'm still, maybe we won't get there in this episode. I'm still drawn to like, 
Dorit's anger because it's like something switched in Dorit. You know what I mean? Once she perceived, okay, Garcelle keeps coming in and kind of doing the pattern interrupt, the way she can't and won't let it go. I, I don't know. There's just something about it's like she shifts from to like this just like you said dog with a bone can't won't let it go like what is that in that moment for Dorit that she can't just like herself finish and give her the grace of completing the statement which by the way Dorit then wants at the reunion Garcelle I'm getting there if you'll let me apologize but she can't let Garcelle do that what is that in her that's like no I've got to nitpick every like you got to say it exactly like there's there's a punishing rage in there that feels important. Like this is she's the bully. <laughs> I just want to say that. Like she I and I felt this. Like Dorit is the bully in this. Oh my god, she's relentless. She's incessant. She's the that would hold you down. What's that? Incessant. <laughs> incessant. She is incessant. She's the incessant yes. one. Totally, totally. And you know, I think where they reflect each other is the point in which where they get cut off and what Garcelle might do is pull back. Like, like my power is, I'm out. Maybe I'll roll. Maybe, maybe this is where the, uh, it feels passive aggressive because it's like, you're not worth it. You know, there's like, there's no point here. You are a system that is not going to change. You know, this is where I think she, she disengages in some way. And this is where Garcelle, I mean, uh, Dorit gets more and more like that feeling, like you said, of not being like of being left or not be, or being forgotten or somehow she ah, keeps going, going, going. And I can just see, I don't know, I can just see the two of them together. Garcelle just like holding all this, shaking her head like, nope, keep talking. You are never going to reach me. You will never, ever, ever reach me here. Mm-hmm. And Dorit being relentless in that quest to poke it, to get it all the way in there. Yeah, it's like the subtext for me with Dorit is just like, I am going to make you answer for this. Like, I am not satisfied until you answer for this. I mean, again, it's like, what answer is she even looking for? Because, like, you know, Garcelle said so many things, and it's just like this energy of, like, you've got to answer for this. Sorry, let me just follow this for a second. Oh, like, I I mean, it's, yeah, her rage is here. Like, I'm so fucking angry. Like, don't shut me down. I mean, maybe it is just because she's so, it's, it's, it's triggering her in such a core wound. And because that core wound isn't getting addressed, it's like she's trying to scratch an itch with like a ball of cotton that's never going to satisfy it. Like there's nothing I think that Garcelle could say or do to satisfy her in this place because it's not Garcelle's wound to heal. Garcelle can't sit there and say like, yeah, like I'm sorry that, you know, you felt unseen and left behind in a chaotic childhood. You know what I mean? Like it's just like she's, I feel like she's putting something on Garcelle that Garcelle cannot possibly fulfill and garcelle like what the fuck do you want from me if i i can feel this place where i'm sitting back right now i'm like confused like where are you you're asking me to be direct i've been direct what do you want from me 
Oh, yeah. And so then what happens, right, for Dorit is like she feels like she's got something to say. She's getting triggered in this old place of rage. The show airs. Most people are not on her side. So again, there's even more of a sense in some way of like getting shut down. I'm misunderstood. I'm not seen. I'm not heard. I kind of feel like we see Tom Sandoval going through a little bit of this right now on Vanderpump Rules. But, um, you know, I'm not. And so maybe that's also part of why at the reunion she just like lost it. It's just like this sort of building. Again, I just, I just think she's so unaware of what's going on inside of her and what's getting triggered. And all she knows is she just has this like intolerable feeling of like not being seen and not being heard. And she wants someone she's to answer. focused on herself. She's not interested in seeing or looking at Garcelle. That's the other piece around this that for me is, I think, the most tragic. It's like if she could just get outside of herself for a minute and recognize that she's in relationship with someone that has a whole bunch also to add. And she cannot, it's like, it's almost like when somebody has an inability to take something in until they get something, you know, for themselves. You know, I, I don't know how to um, say this right. It's just coming to me right now. It's like like the immaturity or the, the lack of awareness. It's so large that she can't actually see Garcelle. She's so inwardly focused. She cannot actually turn around and open and bring her awareness to the fact that she is with someone different than her that has some other point of view some some other perspective to offer and she cannot let it in until hers is validated yeah i mean the words i hear are it's my turn to be seen yeah which is i mean it's ironic of course because all she's ever doing is being seen but it, because it's coming from a feeling of not being seen you know, she feels like she's never seen, you know? So yeah, it's like, it's my turn to be seen. And it's like, if I, as Dorit, open up to the notion of seeing Garcelle, you know, before I feel like I'm seen, yeah, I just, it's not fair. Like, no, it's not fair. And not only that, she is being seen. And what's getting reflected back to her, she doesn't like. It's not what she, how she sees herself. And so it's impossible for her to receive it. It's like she's holding on to this idea, I'm not being seen, when she has a group of people saying, this is how you're being seen. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Maybe you should take another look at what you're seeing because you're getting all this other rich information that actually has been writing in on some you know, some lightness, but also there's some cruelty in there from time to time. But I think they genuinely, you know, are trying to help her see something. And she's like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't like that mirror. Bring me another mirror. Well, because then she'd have to feel, I mean, if she took it in and she started practicing being mindful of how much she speaks and when she inserts herself, then she's going to have to feel Uh, Like if we trust the information that's come through, that old experience of feeling lost, of feeling left behind, and she doesn't want to feel that. Exactly. I mean, it'd be the best thing for her. Well, yeah. And she'll suck the energy out of the room until she does. (laughs) And now it's even caught. This is where it'll be interesting, right? Because she got a good dose of it. Will she 
she's conscious of it. She cannot be unconscious to it now. She's now she's consciously doing it. Now she's even saying, "I'm doing that thing," <laughs> and still does it. Well, Lemon. So this is what I do want to ask you. So, because you were talking about how Garcelle wants to fit in, but not at like the expense of herself, or like not betraying herself. But betray herself. I don't know how you felt about it, but I was so uncomfortable with where things left off in whatever episode of the reunion that was, where it was kind of like nothing was really resolved, and then like Rena was hugging her, and Garcelle was like, "Yeah, we're starting fresh." I mean, to me, it really felt like Garcelle certainly wasn't seen or heard by the group. I, I didn't feel to me like she felt resolved, and yet she was kind of participating in this very awkward, uh, okay, everything's cool now. And I just, I don't know. I was wondering your take on that and where you were. I don't think I've actually seen that oh. part of the reunion yet, but I do remember something similar where where I remember that flavor of, and I think it was actually with Lisa Renna, still where she's like we're good right we're good right and she was like I'm willing to start here but she wasn't saying we're good you know she was saying and I think it was maybe around the Denise thing or something I don't remember exactly yeah it was what they were talking about or how yeah how it came in but Lisa's like okay like forget it forget we're moving on or you know like like I'm 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 absolved here and then if if there's anything that comes to, I thought we were over this I thought it was fine and Carcel's like give me a minute you know like no I'm saying I'm willing to move forward that doesn't mean all is forgotten I mean I'll, I'll be curious to see what you make of the wrap-up because it really is like everything goes nowhere yeah, no one really takes responsibility for anything on a real level. And like at some point, Rena just sort of goes over to the couch, hugs her. It's like, oh, I just I love you and I miss you. And can't we just start fresh? And you, I mean, again, to my mind, it just seemed like Garcelle was kind of oh. like, OK, like, I guess this is just what I got to do to move on. And like, again, to be a part of this group. And Andy, fucking Andy, is sitting there being like, oh, like this ended on such a good note. And I just like my stomach turned, like taking in the fiction of Andy Cohen's like sugar-coated reality so you know i mean yeah i'd be curious what you think about that because i i i don't know i i am really drawn the final how many episodes of the reunion are there well yeah you probably don't know this because you don't keep up with stuff we're getting four reunion <laughs> episodes so i think we just saw the second one i think this happened in the first episode at the end or something like that before kathy came out oh well then maybe i just don't remember it or it didn't strike me I'll have to go back and and watch it again. I know I have like maybe I fell asleep. Sometimes I, I you know watch these things late at night and then I miss you know part of it and don't realize that I do. But yeah, I mean, I guess I, I and obviously we're not going to answer this now or resolve it. But I am sort of drawn to this question for Garcelle about what it means to fit in with this group and what she does have to be willing to maybe sacrifice or turn a blind eye to or compromise and is she willing? I, I don't know. I just feel for her on a certain level. And maybe this is coming back to that place w that I sensed in her of like where the truth matters. Mm -hmm. Feels like I feel this more with her than I've ever felt it with any other cast member that there maybe really is this question of, can I do this? You know, can I go along with the fictions that get written in the Real Housewives universe in order to keep the wheels greased? 
Because mm-hmm. do that, I need to? Yeah, because and I, I mean, it'd be interesting if that inner conflict is really true for her. Because again, I felt watching that, I really didn't feel good watching that. Like it really, like I said, it turned Bad something taste. in my stomach. It was just like this. There's something about this that feels gross, and I wonder oh. if that's sort of picking up on Garcelle's. Yeah, deeper commitment or desire for like a certain level of integrity in her personal relationships that I just don't know she can walk on this show. Not just her personal integrity, but also an integrity to how she participates, you know, moving forward in industries, you know, that have excluded in certain ways people like her Mm -hmm. and what she's standing for. You know, there's so much out there right now. And I, I, maybe there's some sort of inner conflict herself with, you know, being successful and she's working her ass off. She's providing for her family. She's, she's on it. And, you know, maybe there's some conflict about what she has to do in order to have success, to be successful. And maybe, maybe we're watching her wake up to that or understand that on a deeper level or, or maybe it's something she's always known and we're getting a, a bird's eye view of, mm-hmm. of that, you know, that there's something really that happens in these collective sort of where if she's the only person of color being represented in this, what does it take? What does it take to be her and to have room and space and be able to talk and say things and, and have people miss the larger, I don't know, aspect that she's actually bringing in. And does she know she's bringing it in? Well, it's so interesting because you mentioned her divorce. Mm. And, you know, again, I got this flash. Who knows if it's true or not? But, you know, this is this flash that came in. Just suddenly being aware of her husband, her ex-husband being white. You know, and he was like a power agent at like a really big sort of Hollywood agency. And then it makes me, I wonder if, the mistress or the woman he was sleeping with was white. Something about that kind of came in around this notion of Garcelle's relationship to being an outsider, to being an outsider in the system. The fact that she was like in a power couple to a white man in this industry, then got sort of betrayed and cheated on. I don't really know what I'm saying about that. I just felt the possibility of that thread sort of connected through all of this. And yeah, her relationship to who she is as like a Haitian immigrant and a woman of color, like in LA and Beverly Hills and the entertainment industry and, and just navigating. Yeah. How old was she when she moved here? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. It'd be interesting to know how much time she spent here versus, you know, Haiti, because there's definitely, you know, there's a definite difference of growing up a person of color in Haiti versus growing up a person of color here in the United States. And that that's interesting. How was she nurtured at home and to what age and what was it like to get here and have that sort of cultural, what, what, what's this? <laughs> what's happening here? You know, what, what was that difference? Like, I don't know much about why she moved here. Why that? Why they came here? Mm-hmm. You know, those would be important things to to understand. What was it like in Haiti for her? And then what was it like when she arrived? All right. Well, I know that your time is limited, so I don't want to keep you. Is there anything kind of remaining on the Dorit Garcelle topic that lingers with you, or you feel like needs to be brought in or named? Just that it's so it's so complex, really. 
like there's so many so many unknown factors you know we can wax around this as you know guessing and 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 making stuff up so yeah i kind of feel like i just want to say it takes a lot i think for them to put themselves out there you know in these ways and i always feel a little like i don't want to be slamming people for for what they're doing and i don't know how they put themselves out there the way that they do but it's it's uh yeah maybe there's some gratitude to be able to kind of reflect um with you about how people show up with each other on a TV show that's you know supposed to be a reality TV show and how it gives us the opportunity to sort of drop into belonging and when we don't feel like we belong where that where that might give us a perspective that we're not able to see we're bringing that the lens that we're looking out through, if we don't feel like we belong, might limit our ability to be in conflict. You know, something happens there. We can't hear each other. And I think for me, I mean, and I'm sure there's just so much more we could say about this, but I think as I kind of take a step back and just look at the bigger picture of this whole thing, I really do feel, um, and I don't even really know what I mean by this, but I just energetically feel how this situation did in some way represent for Garcelle just kind of like a losing battle against a system that wouldn't fully understand her. It's it's like I get caught in someone else's matrix, in someone else's framework. I'm trying my best to sort of navigate through that. They're not hearing me. They're not seeing me. I'm bumping up against walls. By the end, I just kind of have to like roll over and give a little. I guess I just feel the desire to name that because I I, I do see where Garcelle and Dorit kind of reflect each other as human beings and in the personal. But for me, there is a sharp distinction where it does feel like Dorit unconsciously, unwillingly created a framework, which then others participated in for their own various reasons, in that Garcelle got caught in a framework and there was really no way out of it for her. And this frame also feels to me like it's been in existence. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's, it's a larger frame that is easily held in, in position because it already exists. Like Dorit can create that frame and it's already, there's a template for it already. So it snaps right in and then, a whole other force comes in there. That's what I feel energetically. There's something so much more. And I would say to people, you know, like you mentioned Garcelle, so for people that are seeing Dorit here and and, and Dorit, it's like if you get enough information reflected back to you that doesn't seem like it reflects who you are, you might want to slow down and take a look. Right? That's been where my biggest growth has been. If I've gotten information from a few different directions that doesn't match what my experience is, I mean, that's where I really saw myself and woke up to things that I I wasn't willing to feel and see. And that's where my biggest growth has been. So I want that for her. There was that moment where Garcelle even said, like, are we here to grow? And then Erica, just Erica, who is on another planet, like literally, well, not literally, but almost literally on her own show, just piping in me like, I'm not, honey, I'm all set. <laughs> it was so weird. 
Oh my god, Erica at this reunion is wild. But um, the last last thing I want to say that I, I yeah I do want to say because I felt it so deeply at one point though is I'm so relieved for Garcelle that Crystal is there and that she's not alone because I just keep thinking about, for example, Tiffany in Dallas. To some extent, Ebony too on New York, even though Bershawn was kind of there in the background. I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I like specifically for Garcelle, I feel happy and relieved for her because there, it does feel like there's such a relationship to the experience of aloneness. And yeah, being on the outside in a certain type of way that like, like you said, feels so connected to her heart and so painful and vulnerable that I just, I do, I feel relieved for her that she's not alone in that experience. And I feel like that might be the one reason why she's able to like keep hanging out in this process or this experiment. Yeah. It's it's a shame that, you know, the whole Erica storyline eclipsed, I think, this, this other storyline that actually could have, I think we maybe part of why it's hard to parse all this out is because so much of the footage went towards other storylines where maybe, maybe, maybe if we got more pieces, we, we, we would have more filled in here. You know, <laughs> we're not making shit up. It's true because uh, part of like the dumpling night when Dorit was recounting what pissed her off, when they flashed back to it, they actually flash back to a moment they didn't even show in the original episode. Oh. Like that's even like I was like, wait, we never even saw because I I only knew because I was fast forwarding to all those different moments, and I was like, oh, they didn't even oh, show okay. us this moment, you know. So yeah, I yeah. think there was a lot we didn't see. Feels like there is a lot behind the the mm-hmm. scenes there. Yeah. All right, Piper. Well, thank you again so much. As always, your your insight and your wisdom and your compassion is uh, very much appreciated and cherished here at the Deep Dive. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun. If you guys don't already, make sure you follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. If you're interested in my work, head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com and email me about sessions. And um, I also just want to make sure I thank everyone who's been rating and reviewing the podcast. It truly means the world to me. And also like the DMs I get, I, I just, I love hearing that it has has an impact for a lot of you and that we're not just sitting here chattering about the Real Housewives for no reason. All right, with that, I will see you guys next time. Bye.